Coming in hot, 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 Lisa shares her financial tips and strategies to build wealth, have fun with finances, and be debt-free without having a restrictive budget. From bankrupt to millionaire, Lisa knows what it's like to feel as if you're living paycheck to paycheck. Her unconventional money multiplier system is the very wealth protocol that enabled her to retire two and a half years early, pay down $100,000 of debt in six months, and move to her dream home at the beach. Coming in hot, 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 Lisa shares her financial tips and strategies to build wealth, have fun with finances, and be debt-free without having a restrictive budget. From bankrupt to millionaire, Lisa knows what it's like to feel as if you're living paycheck to paycheck. Her unconventional money multiplier system is the very wealth protocol that enabled her to retire two and a half years early, pay down $100,000 of debt in six months, and move to her dream home at the beach. Hey, hey, welcome to this episode of I Date Money. Money talks, doesn't it? Like, are you listening to what it has to say? In today's episode, we are going to be connecting with Shireen Thor. And I love that she's a comedian turned coach. Okay. And, you know, if you know me, one of my favorite things to do is to watch comedy. I love to go to comedy shows. I love to laugh and I cannot make people laugh. But when I hear someone like telling jokes and I'm in stitches, I just love it. So I'm hoping that at the end of the show, she'll showcase some of her comedian and give us something fun about money. Right. We all want to hear that. You can all applaud. Just throw something, you know, in the comments about that. So, She um, slays with hope and humor. She has shared the stage with greats like Serena Williams, Prince Harry, Pau Gasol, and Les Browns. She is also the best-selling author of Revolutionary Woman, which focuses on inspiring women and people of color to revolutionize how they see themselves to create a more equitable world. She has been featured in Forbes, TEDx, The Wall Street Journal, Insider, Medium, Spike TV, 97.1 AMP radio and more. When she isn't working, she's enjoying the great outdoors, spending time with her family, coaching or playing soccer, enjoying good food with friends and leaving her cell phone in the dust. Because who wants to carry that with you? Seriously. (laughs) Welcome. Thank you so much for sharing the space with us. I'm, I'm just really excited to hear your story and your, just your energy, your vibe that you're bringing already is, it's already got me giggling. Which is good because I haven't laughed in a, in a few days. <laughs> oh, you'll definitely laugh thoughts. today. Yeah, all those thoughts in your head, you know, those those roller coasters that we go on. Yeah. So comedian turned coach. Why'd you give up the comedian world? What was that all about? I know. It's so weird, right? Um, well, I was, am still daughter of immigrants. And immigrants always expect their children to become one of three things doctors, lawyers, or engineers. And so, you know, I was this like weird little creative type. I had a really high EQ, but I wasn't like in love with academia. I didn't fit their box of, uh, you know, how they decided to dole out their conditional love. (laughs) (laughs) But I wanted it. I really wanted that conditional love. And so I tried, you know, I did my best. So what ended up happening was I went to college I would have loved to major in like philosophy or art or something really creative, but I knew that they would disapprove or they would think I'd become like a starving artist. I did not want to do engineering because I knew I'd want to like pull my hair out. So (laughs) I ended up just doing communications. I was like, I 
was like, go down the middle. I won't be a huge disappointment, but I won't be, you know, an impressive doctor who's bored with my life. This will be good enough. So I did that. And my first job out of college, I was sexually harassed like three months in. Mm. This guy walked into my office and closed the door behind him. He sort of hovered over my desk and said, if you don't lose your attitude, I'm going to bend you over this desk and spank you. Oh, right. Oh, <laughs> oh is right. Yeah, it was so uh, just unexpected, surprising. It was like the patriarchy just like punched me straight in the face, like three months out of college. And, you know, it's interesting at the time, everybody told me like, well, you know, you don't have a lot of work experience, right? Like you don't want to jump around from job to job. You've only been here for three months. Like you should kind of just stay put. And so I did, I just put my head down and I stayed at that job and it was probably like the beginning of the end for me, right? Where you start to really stomach some trash, toxic behavior because you've been taught to be a good girl and sit pretty and smile nice and don't make a fuss and like, don't be that girl. So I was doing that and it was really creating some dark darkness in my life. I was fairly depressed and certainly disillusioned and disenchanted with like this young adult life I had. And it wasn't looking good, but luckily I had a friend who sort of nagged me to go to this personal development seminar and I went and at the seminar, I will say I had like a massive awakening. I really started to understand why I was so unhappy at this spry young age of like 24 or 25, because I had sort of given away all my Mm -hmm. power and I was not advocating for what was just or right or healthy. I was just sort of allowing myself to be in really toxic places and spaces. And so I decided to stop doing that. And so I swiftly quit a master's degree and started doing stand-up comedy. <laughs> <laughs> totally worth it. So totally. did you, do you think you stay stuck at the job? Was it because of finances or was it because of fear of, of you I know, think like just being... fear, like, just like, can I get anything better, you know? And you know, there's so much, it's, I don't usually get into all the, the subtext, but it's like in my family, I was the black sheep. Mm-hmm. Like I wasn't the one that everyone thought was going to do, be successful. I was the one they worried about and they kind of looked down upon. I think they didn't understand me being like a weird creative type. They didn't know that I had ADHD, it was undiagnosed. And so I just was like doing the best I could with the sort of like, unsupportive scaffolding I had in my youth and young adult life. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, comedy was kind of like the first time I ever was like, I'm going to be myself, whether it makes sense or not, you know, I'm going to be this like crazy adventurous girl. I'm going to be funny and I'm going to be proud of it instead of being embarrassed. I'm going to be, you know, my full self instead of feeling bad about the fact that I wasn't like a doctor or whatever they thought I should have been. Right. So did the comedy thing also continued being coached to continue my own personal transformation. And at the end of two years of doing both of those things, I got scouted by MTV and it was looking like it was really going places, but I just loved how much I felt happier more authentic, more alive in my life as a result of sort of taking off the mask of who I was supposed to be and just being my full self. And it was really coaching that gave me that gift. So I've been coaching for 17 years ever since and really have never stopped. I feel like my creative type came through when I wrote my book, you know, Mm -hmm. 
Like there's lots of cuss words in that book. That comedian is like full on. Mm -hmm. And then a couple of years later, I was chosen for that event alongside Serena Williams and Prince Harry. And I was like, oh, that's an interest. I didn't expect to get chosen for that. I felt like it was like the universe or God or the divine kind of being like, sweetie, we're not done with you yet. You know, and then about a year later, I did the TEDx talk where I did tell a few jokes on stage, but it was like, oh, this is cool. This is like the first combination of the comedian and the coach on a stage where it makes sense for both of them to appear. Mm -hmm. And this in a few days, I have my first stand-up comedy show in like over a decade. So I don't know what I'm doing with my life, Lisa, but it's a very like circular experience that I've had with my career and my purpose and my entrepreneurship and my creativity. And I will say like, I would have, I've had a similar relationship with money. Yeah. When you think about that relationship with money and the career changes that you made, did you ever think, oh, I need to change jobs because I need to get more money? I mean, honestly, after that job, I think I tried one more job and was equally disgruntled. It was actually a female boss, but she was really toxic and sort of verbally abusive. And I've never worked for anyone full-time again. Like I was like, I think I'm good. I think I'm just going to start my own business and do that. I did at one point go back to work for a little bit doing sales, Mm -hmm. but it was more like a contracted position Mm -hmm. and I only did it for a year. So yeah, not a lot of like W2 experience in this uh, little career over here, but lots of consulting, contracting, entrepreneuring, creating all the things. And just giving yourself the space to be able to do that. Because a lot of people who, you know, a lot of people are working their nine to five, trying to get into the entrepreneurial world, but there's that fear of how am I going to pay my bills? What's going to happen? And here you are just like, oh, no, this isn't working. I'm just going to bounce over here and do this. And I mean, I I don't know anything about the comedian world, but I'm guessing you, you, like I watched The Marvelous Mrs. Maisley. It's one of my favorite shows. (laughs) And I love that journey. I mean, like, did you not make any money when you first started off as a comedian? Yeah, you don't make money. Oh, you definitely don't when you first start off. You're just like thirsty for stage time. You know, you're taking what you can get. You're paying five bucks for five minutes at an open mic. Oh yeah, you definitely don't make any money at first. (laughs) You know, but then eventually they'll start to pay you to tour or to perform. That happens. But it does take a while, you know, it does take a really long while for you to create any kind of credibility or traction. And they want to see that you can fill a room. They want to see that you can fill seats. If you can't fill seats, they're not going to pay you because they're not going to get paid by having you on the stage. So yeah, it's not an easy business. I mean, it's entertainment, but it's a really, I think it's a really hard lane of entertainment. No, all lanes of entertainment are hard, but I do think stand-up yeah. comedy is a grind. Well, it's a different world. And every time, like, you know, I've talked to a few artists on the show in the past and it's the starving artist syndrome, you know, like yeah. you really fumble for money, you know, maybe you don't pay your rent this month because you need to eat. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And it's, it's a, th- this relationship with money and my, my whole perception of it is it doesn't matter how much you make, it's what you do with it. And if you are working towards like, you know, an artist type of position, um, have a backup plan, like have some multiple income streams coming in so you can do what you love and work up with, you know, with it. I was always told that like, if you don't like, and I lived by this rule, I still do. If you don't like what you're doing, 
do it until you can get a job doing what you love and then transition. And I know a lot of um, women who just want to leave that nine to five, they're miserable. And they're like, I, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to do manifestation and take the leap. I'm like, no, (laughs) you have bills. You're a responsible adult. Like let's, let's build it up and take it slow and Mm -hmm. that money in place. And when you think about like, you know, money, I'd asked about like the roller coaster ride and all that. When you were a little girl, and you first met money, what was that like? Hmm. I mean, honestly, I don't think I met money for a long time, but I do remember being really young and coming to my mom. I was in a toy store and I asked her if I could have this toy and she said no. And I was like, so proud of myself for how quickly I just immediately put it back and didn't make a fuss. So I feel like that was like my general paradigm. Like, don't be too much. Don't ask for too much. And you can see that little girl who was so proud of herself for not making a fuss later on turned into the young adult who was also not going to stand up for herself when she was sexually harassed. You know, like that, that is what I learned is like, there's not, there's not tons of energy and space for you here. Like your mom is an immigrant who was also battered by her husband, who was now a single mom. Like we had a lot of trials in my youth. My sister was a handful and it was just like, Shereen, you just got to be easy. You just got to be easy. You just got to be easy and quiet and just don't take up too much space because there's just too much going on around here. Yeah. So, So that's what I did. And honestly, the way that translated to my relationship with money was that I actually think it was really hard for me to receive money. Like when I became an entrepreneur, it's like, I almost wanted to be like a martyr, like I wanted to just give and I I didn't, I wasn't comfortable receiving. And so mm-hmm. I was a very broke entrepreneur for a very, very long time. And it wasn't until I got sick of my own crap that I stopped that. And, and that was like a people pleasing pattern that showed up in my relationship with money, my relationship with my clients, my relationship with my husband, my relationship with my children, my relationship with myself. So mm-hmm. I needed, and that's really what a lot of my book is about, is about like recovering from codependency, recovering from people-pleasing patterns that ultimately don't do you or anybody else any service, and you will never be able to fulfill your purpose or build any kind of real wealth or power in your life if you're like so busy trying to give it all away because you don't feel like you deserve anything. And so, yeah, I had to do a lot of healing before I really turned the money thing around. And I will say one thing that I think is important for people to know, like, I love the advice that you have in terms of like, you have bills, be responsible, because I feel like there's a lot of coaches out there, business coaches, mindset coaches who are like, take the leap and manifest, like mm-hmm. jump and the plane will appear, blah, 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 pay me $10,000. And then you're going to have so much success, but you have to take the risk. And I'm like, Yeah, that is the perfect recipe for like entrepreneurship to almost be like a dirty gambling habit. And I feel like that's what it was for me for a long time. I did pay coaches 10 grand and not see a good return on investment. I did consistently put too much money into Facebook ads and not see a return on investment. It was almost like I was a martyr for Mm -hmm. my purpose. You know, it was like, oh my God, I have to make this work or but it, but it was like gambling. It was like, oh, if I pay 10 grand to this person, they're going to help me make a hundred K. It's such a good, it's such a good wise choice. Let's go. Like I would really justify it, man. And I went broke. I mean, broke, 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 broke. Until I was finally like, 
almost like crushed, like heartbroken and crushed as an entrepreneur. Like almost like when you're on your journey, trying to find your soulmate and you finally get your heart broken that one last time. And you're like, I don't care anymore. Like, I don't want this anymore. Like I, you know, like I won't die on this cross anymore. And then you meet the one because once you don't care, like that's when they come. Exactly. It was like the same with money and entrepreneurship. It was like, once I finally decided to stop like killing myself and giving it all up and like martyring myself for this dream, this purpose, this, whatever it was. And I was finally like, I can't, like, I actually can't take another entrepreneurial heartbreak. Like I need to take care of my health, physical, emotional, mental. I need to stop this. Once I stopped, I actually got a lot more into contracted work. So like I'm making less dollar an hour than what I'm probably able to make if I go chase the business myself, but it's consistent and it's stable and I don't need to hustle and I don't need to like chase money. So that I did for probably like four or five years prior to TEDx. And so I was kind of like building my own stability, my almost like just a healthier relationship with Mm -hmm. money, with my purpose, with my service. Like, nope, I'm not working unless I see a dollar coming my way. Like, I don't even want to touch it unless I know that some specific, clear and understood amount is coming because I can't do the thing anymore where I put so much out and I don't get enough back. I just can't. And then I did TEDx and then there was like a quantum leap, honestly. Like Mm -hmm. my TEDx didn't go viral. Of course, everybody hopes their TEDx talk is going to go viral. Girl, I will put the juju out that yours will go viral because it can. It (laughs) happens. (laughs) Mine did not. I think it's still, I did it like a few months ago, maybe four months ago, and it's still sitting at like 2,400 views. So not even a fraction of viral. Um, however, when you do a TEDx talk, people will pay you more, you know, there's just this sort of like prestige, this credibility, this thing where people are like, oh, okay, great. Like, of course you did a TEDx talk. Like, of course you're going to command higher rates. And so I think for me, it was a little bit of a transformation of like, I think I'm ready to evolve (laughs) out of maybe lower dollar per hour for that stable work and embark into getting back into like getting my own one-on-one clients or, doing, going after like larger speaking engagements where I get paid a large sum of money to speak or whatever, right. Just doing it differently. And yeah. And now just like enjoying commanding a high hourly rate, a high speaking fee, like just enjoying being of service and receiving large sums of money. So that's kind of the crazy. Yeah. You've hit on a lot of, a lot of points. I mean, we can go anywhere with this conversation, but what really caught my attention was the fact that you were investing in yourself in these programs and you weren't getting the ROI that you had hoped for. And I know a lot of listeners that tune into this show are always going after their, and they're like, I have the money dating game. So if you want to experience that, uh, there's seven archetypes, right? And Gary the Gambler is one of them. And I always say entrepreneurs are like a gambler and gamblers get a bad rap because high risk, you know, roll the dice, what's going to happen? Let's check it out. But actually like, you know, they have a, they could have a very strategic plan in place that we don't even know about. And then that's what makes them win. And everything that we do, like I always tell people, whatever you're going to invest in, let it have a purpose because there's so many of us going after shiny objects and like, oh, this isn't working. We know there's a hole. And like, like everyone talks about the funnel. 
you know, and you got to have all this content, you got to do this, you got to do that. You know, you got to launch, launch, launch. And I'm like, I don't want to launch. I don't like launching. Okay. It's not for me. And like pre-show, we had talked about threads that just came out and I'm thinking, well, I'm going to try it because it might be something that I like, because I'm not really into Twitter or Instagram or whatever. I mean, I'll post, but it's not really my, you know, it's not my passion, right? So finding that one thing that you love doing it and being able to stick to it. So even though you don't think that your your programs got you the ROI that you did, I, I imagine that you took a little bit of peace, but it is, we go after because we, we get hyped up. There's this void we want to fill. Oh, they got this program. And I know this is the one that's going to make me a hundred K and I want to make a hundred K because I want to leave my nine to five. I want to travel. I want to do this. And mm-hmm. I want to be able to give. But like you said, when you care so much about it, you're holding on so tight. You don't create that reciprocal energy of giving and receiving. Yeah. Get nothing. And as soon as you let go of it, I love that you're like, yeah, it all just came. <laughs> it was like mm-hmm. the quantum sleep and this is what happened. And I believe that's the secret. When you can let go mm-hmm. and realize that, you know, it's not about chasing the money. It's about the money chasing you. So I love how you were able to just pull it all together and, Go on this journey and 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 transform and step into what you absolutely love to do. So thinking about what you absolutely love to do and calling the shots, like being comfortable with your pricing. How did you get comfortable with, you know, your pricing? Because I know a lot of people will be like, well, I'm not spending $5,000 on a program. And you're like, yeah, programs are 10, right? Yeah. I will say like, I did start to heal my relationship with programs. I think the like, oh, I paid so much money. I didn't get a good ROI. But then I were like, in hindsight, I was like, well, you know, I paid for a mastermind much later on, like during the pandemic. And that's where that business coach said, your business is not your life. Like you need to take care of your finances and you need to take care of yourself. And that's when I was like, oh, and I really just focused on the contracting And then when I self-published my book, I also joined a program because I don't know how to do that. And I needed to learn and it was really important to me. So I got the support. And then when I wanted to do a TEDx, I also joined a program. So I did start to become just more strategic and deliberate about what I was willing to put my money into to get a return on investment. It was like, well, even if my TEDx doesn't go viral and make me crazy successful, I will never regret doing a TEDx. I will never regret writing a book, right? It's not going to be... So it was more like, okay, I I would put into tangible things. And then for me, honestly, I do tend to focus on like monthly. I actually don't say like, hey, I'll coach you for X amount of time for 10 grand, mostly because I just don't want people to get sticker shock. Like, yes, I want a high hourly rate and I want a lot of money for my time. Um, but I also am like, Hey, we could do it month to month. You pay me X amount for this month. You don't want to do it next month. You're off the hook. Like, I don't, I'm not thirsty. Like you don't need to, I'm not going to rope you in, you know, like this is either working or it's not working. So I tend to do more of like a touch and go. And then I will say when it comes to hourly and all the things I would say, it's like left and right brain. It's both. So there is a piece of me that's like just straight market research. What are coaches making? Coaches that have been in the game as long as me, who are best selling authors who have done a TEDx, like, what do all those levels of credibility get me? Let me just look at the straight numbers and the data. And then there's another part of me that's like totally all in my feelings and my vibes and my like body intelligence. Like, what feels right? Does it feel right to be at 200 an hour? No, like, that's that's years ago. Like, no, now we're much higher than 200 an hour. 
And it's like, that's just what it is. So now I like, can't go back. There's no way I could like, I can't go back 200 an hour. is just not enough for me anymore. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, so it just, it just feels good. It just feels grounded. And I find that when I'm doing what I meant to do, that's how it usually feels. Like I just did a keynote speech and I was all nervous before. Oh my gosh, I'm so nervous. But like (laughs) the day of, I was like, this is just exactly what I'm meant to do. Like there's no, I don't need to be high anxiety, weird energy. Like I, I can just be grateful for being in the pocket, doing what I'm meant to do the way I'm meant to do it. And just be in gratitude for the fact that I do get to express my purpose and command incredibly lovely sums of money and just enjoy it. Right. Like it's not even ego. It's not like, Oh, look at me. I'm such a, I don't care. It's not about that. It's about living the life I was meant to live. Right. I wasn't meant to be the doctor or the lawyer, the engineer. I wasn't. And I knew it early. I wanted to be, I wanted the approval badly, you know, but it just, I knew it wasn't meant for me. I was meant to speak. I was meant to joke. I was meant to inspire. I was meant to transform. And so that's what I do in my weird ways, whether it's going to be on a comedy stage in a few days or at a keynote speech or in a one-on-one session with a client, you know, it just doesn't even matter how it shakes out. It's just like, as long as I'm doing my jammy jam, you know? And it is, it's all about like tapping into your gifts and talents and doing what your purpose is. Cause we each have a purpose and when we use those gifts and talents, it's so much fun. And then when you can incorporate that finances and create this beautiful money, you know, system where money is coming in, it's going out, you know, you're, you look at your net worth and all of a sudden you're a millionaire. You're like, yep. this is fun. I love doing this. Yeah. So what's, what's the best money system that you have in place for your business? I mean, definitely spreadsheets are a vibe. <laughs> I, I didn't see you. I saw you more as a, you know, an app girl. You have spreadsheets. That's good. I know. Can you believe it? Yeah. It's funny. Like, I feel like maybe when I, when, I, when I used to be in lower level vibrations around money, I didn't want to look at a spreadsheet and I was scared of looking at spreadsheets and the black and white numbers would make, I just want to avoid it because I think I was disempowered in the area of money. And so I was like, ah, I don't even want to look at it. Whereas like slowly I have healed that and forced myself to look at spreadsheets. And one of the ways I force myself to look at it is actually through having kind of like a money coach. So I meet with her at least like once a month and I look at her kind of almost like as a CFO consultant and she is what holds me accountable to like looking at the numbers, the black and white. And like, and there is something about her moral support that slowly over the years, I've just changed. And now I like love looking at my numbers. I'm like, oh yeah, what's going on? Where are we at? Even if it doesn't look good, it just makes me feel empowered to know, right? To be in the know, to not avoid it. Once I know, I can then strategically decide what needs to happen to make it better. So yeah, I think maybe support was really kind of like the secret sauce that I needed to be willing to be in a spreadsheet and not be afraid. So, yeah. And it's so important to track your money. I like to say when you're the CEO of your finances, more money multiplies and comes your way because it knows that you're a good steward and it wants to hang out with you. You know, it's (laughs) let's spend some more time together. Where are we traveling to? Where are we whining and dining to today? And like, you know, who, what charities are we supporting? So having that destination and of course, you know, keeping the businesses, business expenses separate from the personal expenses and then having those, you know, I like to call them money buckets set up is such an important key to building wealth. Because I know when 
entrepreneurs are facing financial crisis and they're not even able to make their mortgage, it's really difficult for them to show up for their own clients. Yeah. So having that all that balance and their their wealth and their their um, product, their service, whatever it is that they're doing, um, really helps them to show up as their true authentic self. Mm-hmm. So who do you serve? Who do you work with? And how do you help them? You know, I work with both men and women, though I would say like 70, 75% of my clients are women executives or women executives that want to start a business. So I'm either kind of coaching them in healing from those codependency, people-pleasing patterns, healing from imposter syndrome, stepping up into their executive presence, stepping up into powerful leadership, authentic leadership, or I'm helping them actually like create their little naughty side hustle that will make them feel alive in their life. So that's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> so did you want to showcase some of your comedy for us? Have you thought of anything that, uh, I got money jokes. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I don't, I have no jokes. I literally don't even know what jokes I'm going to say in the comedy show live on stage in three. Don't days. you just pick on somebody in your family or yourself? Or right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that is a cool thing about creativity or like when you're doing what you're meant to do is I literally last night was dreaming of jokes. Like I was actually dreaming of the scenario of being on stage and thinking of, and I'm like, wow, it's kind of crazy how your soul, your body, your unconscious mind will just kind of work on your behalf when you're doing what you're meant to do. You know, I think that's what you were talking about of like, it's fun. It's easy. Like, yeah, it just becomes so flowy. I'm like, wow, that's kind of cool. I wrote jokes in my sleep last night. <laughs> <laughs> your thoughts are your most powerful tool. Yes, <laughs> definitely. That's for sure. So what's the best way for our audience to connect with you? I would say going to my website, shereenthor.com. I have a little happiness cheat sheet there. It actually has I took a course at Yale called The Science of Well-Being when I was starting to like turn my life around. And instead of like killing myself on motherhood or entrepreneurship or all the things, I was like, what actually makes people just feel happy? And they're all free. <laughs> and they're things you can do like today, like right now. Um, so yeah, I created a happiness cheat sheet. So if you go to my website, shereenthor.com, you can find that lovely little tool and it'll help you. Awesome. We love freebies, don't we? (laughs) Well, that's awesome. Do you ever record um, your comedian shows and put them on your website? I will be recording this one coming up and I will put them on the ticks and the talks, girlfriend. That's the plan. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll have to follow you there. Are you going by your name? Uh, Yes. Everything's just going to be my yeah. actual self. It is kind of weird though to do executive coaching with corporations and then be like a stand-up comic, but I'm like, I don't know, we're just going to we're just going to keep it authentic. No stage names. We're just keeping it real. Yeah. Well, you know, that's your true authentic self. Like there's two sides, like, you know, the Jekyll and Hyde, but it's really not because it blends cuz like, you know, I always think of when I was working in my office, we always had like, you know, we'd always wonder like, are you the same person you are inside the office, outside the office? And we all were, we were, we know, know it differently, but there were those funny people. Like there was one woman I work with. She, we sit down at lunch and she would just start talking and telling stories about herself. And I would be peeing my pants. 
know, and then she retired and I was just like, man, I really miss those fun Aww. lunches where, you know, and we don't matter where we went and, and she would just be able to like, I always admire people that can just be able to look at something and make a joke out of it. You yeah. know, they're the subject or someone else in good fun, not in bad fun, you know, cause there are some people who tell really bad jokes. The <laughs> bad jokes are probably the worst, right? <laughs> so yeah. what was the wisdom would you have to someone that wants to leave their nine to five and get into the entrepreneurial. Mm. Mm. That is a good question. Yeah, I would say follow your impulses, right? Like if you have the desire to create something, then take action towards that. And not at the expense of your health or your stability. Yeah, because I feel like it is like an interesting, it is nuanced. Like I actually know someone who's like fully employed and makes a great salary and has great benefits and just always talks about how they wish they created a business or a brand. And the more we have kind of coached, the more they've realized, oh, I don't necessarily need to quit my job. I actually just need to treat myself better at my job. And so those little happiness cheat sheet things, we work on those. Like you need to have downtime. You need to sleep. You need to exercise. They're just things that you need to just feel okay. I think sometimes we have really toxic habits in our life and we think, oh, I just want to escape. Like I just want to jump ship. If I had a business, it would save me, right? In the same way that I was like, oh, if I pay this coach 10 grand, they're going to save me. You know, like sometimes I think we're just looking for an out or an escape and we're just in a weird way, almost like abandoning ourselves. So I guess my words of wisdom or my advice is like, stay present to what you actually need. Uh, be grounded in your physical body. Uh, listen to your physical body and your heart and your soul and what it is saying to you, because sometimes it's like not that complicated and it just is simple and you just need to honor your humanity. You know, you don't need to create more, be more. That's very Western. That's very American. You can calm down and be in your self and, and be sort of like intuitively guided versus like egoically guided. I think that's, there's a big difference in where your life will take you when you're following your heart and your honesty and your truth versus your brain and your will and your ego. Yeah. I love that. And that's so true because a lot of times we get caught up in that. Oh, what am I supposed to do? And, Oh, I can't do this. And we start comparing ourselves. So great advice. Thank you so much for sharing the space with us and listeners out there. Be sure to connect with Shireen, go check out her freebies and join her on TikTok so she can make you laugh and giggle like nothing like is tomorrow. Right. And for those of you listening, please show this show some love, give us some stars and a comment, and be sure to share this episode with those you know who can benefit from this entrepreneurial journey. And remember, it doesn't matter how much money you make, it's what you do with it. Hey, hey, thanks for tuning in. Be sure to rate the show, give us some love. We would love your review. And remember, it doesn't matter how much money you make. It's what you do with it. And some words of advice, pay yourself first. Are you ready to partner with money? Go check out the money dating game at idatemoney.com and choose your partner. We hope you always get the date you want. Hey, 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 
Thanks for tuning into the show. Give us a five-star review and share it with your friends. Get ready to activate wealth. Be the next millionaire with a simple adjustment of your finances using an energetically aligned money multiplier system. You get to build wealth by partnering with money. It's time to have fun with finances. Pick a date. The link is in the show notes to book your wealth activation call where you will get the one solution to multiply your money. Remember, it doesn't matter how much money you make. It's what you do with it.